Welcome everybody to the Home Cinema Design Podcast with myself, Tom Daly Compagni, and the very wonderful Owen Maddock. Hello. Hello. So today we're talking about bass. Yeah. Brilliant. And it's a big, big topic within a big topic, isn't it? Because, you know, home cinema is a massive topic and then sound is pretty big. And then within sound, I think the biggest single one that's super important and kind of hardest everything else flows from that is the bass. So I guess this is going to be more than one episode, isn't it? Because there's stuff we don't know about and we're going to need to get some help. Bass is um, it's probably, probably the most important part of the cinema room, do you think? I think so. Okay, so let's start. Why do we need bass at all and why do we need good bass? What's that about? Why do we need good bass? Um, bass is what really gives the impact of a moment within a film, I think, uh, and and with music, don't you think? Yeah, totally I do. So when, when that building's falling down, n- not only are you seeing it fall down, you're hearing it fall down. And you're feeling it fall down. And it's the bass that does that last bit. Yeah, very good. And also with music, the, the bit that makes you want to kind of get carried away with it, that makes you want to shake your hips, that makes you kind of... The feeling of the music is all in the bass as well. Yeah. So yeah, that, that makes some sense. It's why Britain, and up until the 1950s, when people rocked up on the boat from Jamaica, was all so uptight, because there was no bass in the speakers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Brilliant. Yeah, you are. <laughs> cool. Yeah, for example, um, I've been over overwatching um, Across the Spider-Verse recently, partly because Louis just really likes it, and then also because he was bragging on to his cousin about going and watching it in the cinema, and then the cousin wanted to come too, and I was like, oh, go on then. And it's a really, really bassy film, which just sort of makes sense, because it's very beat-driven, very music-driven, kind of it's all New York and hip-hop and all this stuff, and quite a lot of the time the buildings do collapse as well. Yep. So there's just a lot of bass in that film, and it's a really good indicator of when you've got something pretty right. Uh, Tom, what what sorts of things do you listen to to make sure you know you've got the bass kind of where you want it in a system? I've oh gosh, well uh, I've got movie content and music. I've got a very particular playlist: um, house music, a uh, bit of old school rock. There's all sorts in there. Film wise, there's. Do you know what, mate? I've got half a dozen films that I put on. Not because I love them, not because I really like watching them over and over and over again. It's because I know how I think they should sound. Yeah. So I'm looking for, you know, an instrument and I'm I'm looking for a feel Ooh. that I'm, you know, that I would expect from good bass. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Um, that makes absolute sense. I mean, for example, I'm I'm a little bit over it now, but the obvious song in Star is Born is like that. Yeah. Because I spent enough time in front of drummers being a sort of not very good musician that I know how it's meant to feel. Yeah. And if it feels like that, then I know I'm sort of along along the right line. (laughs) Yeah, same. And I've got the same sort of playlist when I was a young man and it was the 90s. um, No doubt. They went off to Jamaica and they made a record with Sly and Robbie who were easily the best rhythm section in the world at that point. And it's really well done. So again, when everything is dialed in, you kind of know. Now, we're not people who, who tune systems by listening to stuff, right? This is a check at the end. Correct. <laughs> That's how it should be. <laughs> you, you've, got, you've got quite a good story, haven't you, about a um, yeah. someone who does this for a living and basically listens to content and then changes frequencies in the system. I think I can, yeah, I'm always a bit dubious about saying this because at some point he's going to listen to this and he's going to know exactly who it is I'm talking about. But I know he's changed his ways 
slowly but surely. But yes, yeah, so I was on a job um, as an integrator, not as a cinema installer, as an integrator. Yeah. Long story short, this chap is in this room calibrating and he's he's calibrating to scenes within a movie over and over and over. And this is a very flawed room that we've both kind of had to take over. Um, yeah, and and it it it's not the right way to tune a room by any stretch of the imagination because, you know... There might be bits missing in that content that are either too loud or too quiet that if it's just, if that note just isn't played in that, song or piece of content or whatever how would you how would you ever know well i think this is probably we'll we'll go into much more detail in a in a calibration episode at some point but yeah yeah yeah. you know you can't walk into a room that you've had literally nothing to do with put on a a disc and then know where the problem is because a single problem can come from five different things or even if you know the melody of the baseline particularly well you know one's that good to just go ah right yeah i need to turn down such and such frequency based on that note because is it the is it the fundamental of the note is it the harmonic of the note is it what the bass drum is doing there's yeah no one's that good rick rubin's not that good let alone Mm -hmm. an tweaker of audio system in wherever in england no well you might you might know that there's a problem at let's say 70 hertz you know you might know that but you have no idea why by listening to a movie track yeah 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 especially in a room that you haven't put together yeah, the, this is more so when we've got our room, when we're 95% there, you know, we, we need to verify what we're doing and we're using known content to verify what we're doing, aren't we? Yeah, that's it. It's the check at the end. It's not the actual yeah. process. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so yeah, I mean, that, that, that gives us a feel for sort of why we need good bass. Um, yep. And the first bit that you get to on your kind of learning journey is bass in... I guess small rooms, you know, rooms that are, I don't know, three metres to 10 to 12 metres long maybe, is hard. Well, the thing is, Erin, a small a small room is pretty much every room we're ever going to deal with because a large room is like an auditorium. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anything, anything that we're going to deal with domestically, even the big-ass rooms domestically, are classed as small. Even when it's a manor house, even when it's a kind of, little boutique cinema for 20 that's still a small room Mm -hmm. completely agree and then when it's a really small room for two yeah that's still a small room now there's something about these little rooms there's basically three sorts of space in which you listen to music right one is tiny because it's your car yeah one is massive because it's your nightclub it's your albert hall it's your wembley arena it's kind of hyde park it's kind of big 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 and outside type space mm-hmm. they're they're big and there's something really special about a kind of a domestic sized room yep and it's not in a good way because mm-hmm. in a car it's really easy they're so small that when you play some bass it falls straight out of the car because there's a kitty in a Vauxhall Nova driving past my house and I can hear the bass you know just around the time Louis trying to get to sleep usually that sort of thing yeah and in in this sort of concert type space there's no problem because you can just play the bass and you can just kind of hear it and then lucky lucky us doing resi if you play bass notes in a smaller room, they bounce off the back wall, come back at you, and either interfere with that same note, either by cancelling or by reinforcing, depending on the length, the width, the height of that room, and depending on exactly where your seat is. Yep. 
so they're bouncing off everything floor ceiling left wall right wall rear wall yeah uh so what you're describing is a room mode yeah yeah absolutely mm. or also and also just part of the same conversation the standing wave yeah where it's just exactly the right dimension that the note bounces back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and then you have to get even performance in there because mm-hmm. obviously if, if i play you a scale on a bass guitar well two things become apparent firstly i'm not very good but secondly even if i hit things with equal force some of those notes will be a bit loud some of those notes will be a bit quiet and that's not what I intended. And then if you move C, I'll do it again. Different notes might be a bit too loud. Different notes might be a bit too quiet. This is the problem, isn't it? Yeah, so we, we want to be able to. What, what what we're trying to achieve is, let's say we've put our subs where we've put our subs. We want to be able to play full range pink noise through our subs and at our listening positions. Basically, what we're aiming for is a flat line response. So we don't want any frequencies too high, any frequencies too low. And it's likely going to be sub-position and room modes that are going to make those frequency increases or decrease in 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 volume. That's going to be the cause. Yeah, that sounds right to me. And the, these are our main weapons again, aren't they? It's basically where can we put the subs and where can we put the chairs? Yeah, exa- exactly right. The room is the room. You know, it's not very often we can make the room a bit bigger or, you know, we can make it smaller, but it's not very often we can make it bigger to help get things where we want. So, you know, we've got to play with the tools that we've got, haven't we? And sub-placement is tool number one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep, hard agree. And how do we place our subs, Owen? Well, the way I've been doing it. <laughs> Funny, I've, I've been doing this for a while. In between, yeah, in between the uh, left centre and right speakers. Can I tell you the story? Hit me. Originally, I didn't write the CPD for cinema single-handed, or I wasn't going to. CD put together a working group of some industry, you know, luminaries, and kind of me as well. And I got into an argument with one of them, and they were absolutely dead keen that we should be completely prescriptive and say... Sub needs to go between left and centre and between centre and right. It needs to go up in the screen because that's how they do it in commercial. And my spider senses went absolutely garrotty. I was like, nah, this, this feels wrong to me. And I didn't know enough at the time to know why it felt wrong. And this is how I ended up reading Floyd Tool's book. You know, yeah. you go and learn something, don't you, when you're kind of in an argument mm-hmm. and you go, oh, well, I don't know the answer. But I'm going to find out. Yeah, normal stuff. But I'm going to um, find out if and I'm right. It turned out that yeah. that was dead wrong because of this whole you know yes that's how they do it in the commercial cinema but that's totally irrelevant because the commercial cinema is 15 meters long longer it's big isn't it um and therefore you can put bass where you like pretty much and it will hang there and it will be fine Mm. we've got options in terms of where we can place our subs and places we can try you can try that if you've got four you can try one in each corner you can try halfway along the front and the back walls. You can try halfway along the side walls. You know, he gives you some positions for different room styles that he's tried out and that have given you a more even bass than others. Now, when he wrote the book, we didn't have Room EQ Wizard, right? Mm-hmm. But you've got options, and Floyd shows us that you've got options and that they're workable, outable in physics. Now, that manufacturer, mm. since we had that argument, have changed their approach, and they do this. They do the predictive approach now, which is excellent. That's, yeah. we've, we've achieved something as an industry. Come right? on, back to the story. Um, but yeah, you're better off trying to figure out where the base is going to be even in advance before you go around building a room. And even if it's not perfect, 
because the modal behavior of that room is super predictable, it will still be better than not doing it. It will still be better than having a massive cancel just where your critical seats are. It's super predictable if you're in a rectangular or square room. If you've got an L shape or something strange or a bay window, something along those lines, you can get close, but without incredibly expensive audio um rendering type software calculative software it, it, it's you're gonna have to get on site you're gonna have to do some testing because funny shape rooms creates unpredictability so if we take a room that is of a regular size and we try and put that into room eq wizard we are going to get issues because it will not predict what is going to happen with those subs and their response. Ooh. So it, it's great on a square or a rectangular room. Anything else, it, it, it's far more complicated. No, absolutely. And it's funny that because um, I often see people kind of trying to cut corners and not put the work in because it's quote unquote only a media room. And media rooms are much more likely to be open plan, irregular, not rectangles, way harder to predict than yep. than cinemas. I've always said they're harder. Yeah. And people look at me funny because people don't treat them as seriously. You should treat them more seriously. Yeah. There's there's no there's no reason why in a media room shouldn't sound as good as a cinema room. No, hundred percent. And I don't like anybody who says otherwise because yeah, as you've just said we should be putting as much effort into a media room as a cinema room. Definitely. Yeah. Of course. The, the system components are still going to cost a, a decent amount. You know, it's still going to take a bunch yep. of time to do. Uh, yeah, it's just that you're less nailed on that you're going to get a hmm. rectangular shape. Likely, yeah. Yeah. You just might not. You just might well be open plans. Mm-hmm. You've got a plan for that. And that's super hard. Very, very difficult. Cool. Okay, so yeah, we're, we're kind of into into the remedies now. So we can... We can mess around with the sub placement. Crucially, we can mess around with the seating placement because six inches in forward or backwards is going to matter. Yes. It might take you out of that cancellation. It might put you into a reinforcement. So, I mean, you were saying the reinforcements we can deal with. It's the, yeah, the reinforcement. So those those peaks that are louder than than, than our, our flat response point. Um, so if it's louder, it's really easy to deal with. So, like you say, if it's reinforced, we can just turn the EQ down at that frequency. Very easy to deal with. When we have a null, we can do nothing with the sort of uh, uh, control side, i.e. we can't add volume. Because all we're going to do is is drive that base unit to distortion very early on. And this is one of my favourite myths, because um, someone who doesn't distribute the stuff anymore and frankly thank goodness used to insist that you know room correction room treatment was all a scam and that all you ever needed was their digital room adjustment system even though the owner of the stuff that he was selling used room treatment in their cinema you know that's 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 neither here nor there Uh um but this the simple physics of it is that if the noise bounces off the wall comes back again cancels out there's nothing you can do in the digital domain to fix that correct and Loads of people think you can. Oh, it's fine. It's auto-calibrated. Yeah, so you've taken a lumpy thing and you've basically sanded it down a bit. You've smoothed off the peaks. But all those holes and troughs and cancellations and problems are still there. Yep. 
I'm not saying it's not a bit better. I'm saying it's in no way fixed. It's in no way good enough. No, no, because you, you if you've got a huge null at, at 50 hertz, which is going to be, you know, for movies, music not so much, but but for movies, that that's a big bass zone that, that we're trying to yeah. create a, a nice even response to. Mm. If you've got a big null at 50 hertz, it's going to sound very flat. Yeah. Yeah, it just won't have that lovely kind of underpinning atmospheric... No impact. Well, either when it's a tension build and it's quiet, you kind of won't have that tension. Or when things are happening and the building is collapsing and so on, it'll just be a bit hollow and it won't feel like it's collapsing properly. Yeah, yeah. And turning the volume up at 50 hertz is only going to destroy your speakers. Mm. Yeah, completely. So so we, we then have to start engineering to making sure... So if we've got our subs where we think's in the right position we've got our seating in the right position um yeah we 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 should be absolutely spot on but it the room changes things the way the room's put together changes things how airtight is the room all these little small little factors have have a huge impact on where those modal issues are in the room so you know we still have to consider moving forwards backwards left and right a little bit wherever we can just to get that performance out of the room yeah completely oh that's another sort of not quite myth but i think the way i think this is often done goes like this i think people pick their subs kind of at random maybe they've copied from someone else's job maybe they've copied from one of their own jobs maybe they've sort of asked the supplier and then if that goes well they'll apply that to the to the next job the kind of common sense practical school of hard knocks kind of life you see this a bit i think yeah but if you apply that logic from room a to room b that's a slightly different shape and size nope everything's changed everything's changed because the the nulls are in a different place the cancels are in a different place the seats probably need to be in a different place now or you know a different amount back from the screen or, or whatever it be yeah and then you take the logic you learned from that second room and you apply it to a third room um this is what peter calls the cycle of chaos isn't it Mm, you're going to get three different three different um results yeah yeah let's say two of them work better than the other yeah nothing no exactly yeah Uh, especially if you're not measuring no completely i had this the other day again you know outside the cd awards having a chat like you do and someone's going oh but you know it's subjective isn't it no no it's fucking not (laughs) it's not it really isn't it's absolutely measurable it's absolutely measurable and not only that but it was proven on humans by a bloke called dr tool it's been proven on everyone you know they got the receptionist in they got the design engineer in they got people in off the streets everyone prefers the even response and it stands to reason because if i hit all the notes equally i don't want someone being creative on the system engineering front so that a couple of those notes are too quiet that's not subjective or preference or brand preference or taste that's just shit yeah 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 super simple really it really is and it does wind me up because can you tell yeah 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 yeah. but (laughs) but that that's exactly what we're trying to do with with well the whole range of frequency not just the bases we're talking about today even response so when we're playing our pink noise and we've got a microphone or four listening to that pink noise we want that graph in front of us to be as flat as we can get it. Tom, tell us what pink noise is, especially as as compared to white noise, and tell us what the point of pink noise is. 
pink. So full range pink noise is it playing every frequency at the same volume. Yeah. Simple as that. So it's playing 80 hertz at, let's say that you've, you know, you turned it up to 70 on your AVR. Mm-hmm. It might be getting 70 dB out of it. It's sending out 70 dB across every frequency. Yeah. So when you're reading your microphone response on the graph in front of you on your your software, REW, smart, whatever it might be, you can be assured that what the microphone is hearing, mm-hmm. you know, it is actually what your system's reproducing, opposed to listening to a white noise, which is a certain banded frequency. It's not all of it. Um, yeah, so so pink noise is really, really important to us. Yeah, and I know you've done a thing where you put put that pink noise sweep on and just walk around the room for a bit and see how it changes. I used to do that an awful lot. Now I've got multiple microphones to do it for me because I'm lazy. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> Can't talk about multiple microphones yet, Tom. That's that's in that's in calibration. That's, that's later, isn't it? So yeah, yeah, absolute tip. Yeah. But you can you can definitely do that with with pink noise. And if you just play pink noise through your subs, you know, guys, go into your go into your demo rooms and at home or what have you. Get some pink noise playing through your sub. Put a microphone in your hand. Even even download audio tools onto your uh, phone. Okay, this isn't hugely scientific, but it definitely works. Play some play some pink noise through your sub. Walk around the room with an RTA on your phone. You will see that spectrum rise and fall as you walk in and out of notes. Yeah, very good. There it is. Yeah, brilliant. Science happens. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right, we need to talk, so we've got remedies around placing the subs, we've got remedies around moving the seats, so we kind of can do both until it's good and even and better than it would have been. Yeah. There's remedies that don't work. Okay. Absorption. Uh, well, no, they do work very well, Owen. Sorry, remedies that don't work on base in the real world. That's because... <laughs> because... <laughs> because... So... So let's let's talk about why doesn't it work? It works very very well, but it's very impractical. So, the wavelength of fifty hertz, which is a nice low rumbly sub bass cinematic sort of a sound, yeah, um, that wavelength is seven and a bit meters long. Correct. If you're going to absorb that in any meaningful manner, you need a quarter of a wavelength, which is going to come out at about one point seven, isn't it? So yeah, the, the a very 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 loose. Obviously, the material changes this and and one thing or another, but loosely loosely, to absorb a wavelength needs to be quarter the wavelength that we're we're trying to deal with. So yeah, and I get in arguments with people asking for a hundred mil of depth. So yeah, I can see how that's not practical most of the time. So how are we going to put nearly two meters of absorption in a room? It, it's we're just not going to do it, are we? It's it you know it would work, but. Mm-hmm. Who has that kind of space? Yeah. There's some remedies that I think neither of us have really tried. Um, there's one I got from Goff, which is um, which he used on triangles, because it was a funny-shaped room, where he used um, a tunable membrane, which is basically a normal absorber, yep. but then with a tensioned membrane in front of it that's tuned to a particular frequency. So in other words, yep. the membrane grabs the frequency, and then the absorption behind it shuts it up. It basically works the same way as a a base box does mm-hmm. without the driver yeah absolutely and then we've got Hemholtz resonators which are effectively a very similar thing just a box with a, a box with a hole in a box a hole in yeah yeah all and we don't really I mean those are kind of two things my understanding which is super limited so, so you know please write in that would be brilliant you can you can yeah. help us along the way that would be fantastic 
I believe these remedies have a problem in terms of affecting the timing of the base information. Mm, very likely, so yeah. It might not be the absolute best way to go, but we're sort of out of our own depth there. But we should acknowledge that these things exist. And certainly if you've got a particularly spiky low base problem, they could be really helpful worth trying to fix it. Yeah, yeah. I think it will come now. I think you'll start playing with stuff in your room because uh, you're like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I'll be right there to lean over your shoulder and find out what you Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you say that, I ha- I do have a little issue which... I'm either going to go. I definitely can't go go down the road of absorption material. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I'm going to put a second row of seats in my room, and when that happens, I may well go down the road of a uh, Hemholtz resonator, and I'll use the the new platform that I'm going to build to do that. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. You're building a box anyway, so you can stick holes in it and make it do something. Correct. Yeah. Very so. good. Here's one. Um, and this isn't a problem. This is just a new thing that I don't know enough about, which again I think is gonna get covered on a future episode. Infrabase. Yes. I probably know as much as you do, to be honest. The nice the nice thing with infrabase is because it's such a small band, it's very unlikely that we're gonna have rumor to deal with. True. So we can slap that mother wherever we want to. Well, I think the biggest problem we have with but it's eighteen inches diameter. It's eighteen inches across. Well, you can get you can get into as low as thirty, as small as thirty-two inch. I think they they do it. I mean, there's only one company that I know doing it in anger, which is Ascendo. Um, Yeah, hi guys. Um, I think they do a twenty-four, a thirty-two, an eighty, and a hundred and sixty inch size, which is metal. (laughs) unbelievable isn't it stuff below 20 hertz well, you know, i can imagine it being really helpful when there's an elephant coming up behind you or the building collapses again christ i mean i feel bad for them rebuilding that building all the time but you know when really low low genuinely explosive things are happening i could see how this would be really useful sort of kick you in the chest kind of stuff but i haven't sat in front of it yet and i'm itching to and i want to know more about it so i guess that's someone we're going to invite on to talk about it and then the other one we definitely don't know enough about, because it's not properly out yet, is, um, well, hang on, let's start at the beginning. Double base array. We sort of understand that, right? A little bit. Uh, it's not something I've looked at into uh, in any depth whatsoever, Owen, yet. No, fair, because, let's face it, people don't have... And will I? Well, probably not now. I'll be honest. No, no, probably not now. I don't think I will. I think that ship has sailed. But, okay, let's let's try and summarise it for the uh, for for the listeners at home there you need eight subs ish you put four of them evenly on the front wall and put another four of them evenly on the back wall Mm -hmm. cool you've got eight subs so that that narrows it down in terms of market niche and so on yeah um and what happens is front wall does something nice low bass note and then the back wall subs are time delayed corresponding to the length of the room so however long at the speed of sound it takes for sound to get to the back of the room Mm -hmm. and they're firing backwards so they're in opposite phase to the to the front sub so the idea is that a wave of bass goes down the room and then the back wall soaks it up again so it can't bounce back and hit you yeah that's cool right wicked there's a problem yeah very easy to do for one one frequency yeah, quite hard to do for a whole load of them. Yeah. But that's that's not the problem. Uh, it's it's the kind of everything does something. So 
the carpets will soak a bit up. Some of it, some things will bounce off the wall. Some things will hit people. It will have changed by the time it gets to the back wall, mm-hmm. and not in a predictable way necessarily. Mm-hmm. So, what you kind of need is an active a version, measured active version of that. Yeah, and we don't know enough about this, but Trinov have been working on it. It's called waveforming, and it's kind of out. Yeah. Sort of it's kind of out in beta, isn't it, with some of the dealers? Yeah, I've not heard it yet. Have you? No, I haven't heard it yet. I'm annoyed about it. Um, I have invited someone from Trinov to come along and talk about it, and they have provisionally said yes. <gasps> I think I know who it is. And now we just have to synchronise diaries. Well, no, let's 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 leave the people hanging. Yeah, to make sure it happens. Good. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, base. So that's base as a really really basic opener to the problem it's almost like the heading on a piece of paper isn't it that yeah wicked but i think that's good i think that'll do i think that's probably about half an hour a good start yeah fantastic that's part one of base wicked Gr- great stuff so thanks very much everyone and we'll uh, we'll be back soon bye <laughs>